Yes, more cowbell indeed. We're back. We're back in a very uh, staggered summer season as, as it goes so far. Uh, welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined by my dad, Jack, the older generation, the revered generation. Yeah. <laughs> One foot in the grave generation. <laughs> and uh, it's only two, you know, that's a long way in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's halfway there. <laughs> You've got one foot in the grave, you're halfway there. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. anyhow. Uh, we've we've kind of debating what to talk about with all the uh new stuff that's kind of being gradually uh yeah, there's been more and more sort of hands-on stuff and more more information from people who've had their hands on uh, Apple's Vision Pro headset and and uh, you know there's just some interesting stuff. I think there's some interesting things that have come about. You know, as people have started looking at the um, mm -hmm. the Mac Pro as well, trying to figure out well where does this thing fit because it's basically a uh, you know the the top of the line Mac Studio with card slots. So how you know is that really a market? You know, you, uh, it makes you almost wonder if somebody in Apple is saying, look, we didn't want to build the stupid computer in the first place. And so we built it, but we're going to build it so that we know it'll fail because nobody really wants that. And so as a result, we can prove our point, you know. Well, well, though, for years they complained when, you know, for professionals, they, they wanted to. I mean, they have had to have some slots for their own. Uh, custom boards and stuff, you know. Right. So there's a small segment of of their business, and and it used to not be small when they were Apple computer, but now that they're Apple and the iPhone is king, you know everything yeah. with the computer is basically small. Right. Uh, and uh, now with this spatial computer, uh, it's hard to say whether how how small or how big it will be. Uh, initially, it's going to remain fairly small because. You have to be near uh, an Apple store to have all of the stuff installed. I don't think, you know, you can't mail. I mean, they won't do a mail order thing. Yeah, on I don't know a way to wow. do the fitment because they're talking about like, you know, a dozen or so different uh, type of masks to fit your face the, perfectly. And so, and they're not going to just ship them all to you. So, That's it. yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, 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 the some, assumption that somebody made was that they'll have to just come into the Apple store, which doesn't surprise right. me. But I wasn't even talking about the Vision Pro device. I was just talking about the Mac Pro. Oh, I was saying yeah. the Mac. The Mac Pro is like okay, yeah. so it's a it's a Mac Studio with the Ultra chip and yeah. some slots. Right. Yeah. But but and this I think is key. You can't put any additional graphics cards in there. Right. And you know that there's. Yeah, that, that seemed to be the driver in the past. I mean, right. Had... I think that's a lot of people wanted to put graphics cards in there. And it's not just because they want high-speed graphics. There's a lot of different types of calculations that run better on a graphics and on a GPU than on a CPU. And so, um, you know, loading up a machine with, with graphics cards is significant. And, in fact, if you look at graphics card benchmarks right now, the, the top-of-the-line Mac hardware – the Mac Ultra chip, which, uh, you know, the the A2 or the M2 Mac Ultra, which is available in the studio and in the Pro, has less graphics power than a mid-range uh, graphics card right now, if you were to go buy a mid-range graphics card for your PC. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And the top-end ones are significantly faster. And had Apple come out with their their 
you know, they, there was they rumored to be a next level chip that was like two ultras together, right? Because yeah. the the ultra is two maxes and the maxes is two pros. There was supposed to be another level, or at least there was rumors of another level that Apple decided not to make or had difficulty making, and so they just decided not to use it. And we'll see. Maybe when they come out with the M3, that that will become a reality. Had they gone to that level, then they would be competitive in the graphics arena. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't understand why they, you know, I mean, you've got the slots there. Just, you know, put in whatever kind of cards you want. You want some more graphic GPU power. You know, you could even say, hey, you know, it, it, we won't use that to drive the screen because we use the built-in ones to drive the screen. But they're there and available to you as processors if you need them for some other need, uh, other purpose. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, hey. Apple's Apple. They do what they do, and they don't really explain themselves. They just say, this is what we've got, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, well, they they don't quite say that in the pro line because they, they the pros have their own independent thoughts on all of this stuff, uh, much more so than the general public. And they beat right. it back to Apple and complain if they didn't hit the mark, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I and I think for a very narrow band of people, the the pro that they introduced will, you know, they need to put in some some like you said specialty cards for for doing some kind of audio or video switching or something like that that you know, that machine will make sense. Um but I know that there's a lot of pros in the, you know, people working in in the scientific world who want the processing power of of G, GPUs. You know, it's not to drive a screen. Yeah. They want that processing power. And for them, this may be a an indication that you just got to go buy a PC. Yeah. You know. And, and, you know, since they uh, they excluded uh, video cards, uh, it's a possibility that with the new uh, special computer thing out that they view that as such a standard that nobody's going to want any old any old graphics anymore if they really want professional stuff, they just come buy the other device as well, you know, and work together. And they'll they'll make it play together well with their uh, visual computer. Everything's going to work with that machine. Right. Yeah, I think their you know? their their vision of that for, for lack of a better word <laughs> is is that <laughs> it it will be the ultimate, you know, hub. It's the next the next wave of computing, right? We went from desktop to laptop to handheld right, with yeah. our phones, and the next yeah. wave is visual computing. Um, I think that we're going to find, though, that just like, you know, the desktop is still around even though laptop computing is more popular and that laptop computing is still around even though everybody, you know, more people have phones, you know, that this is going to be that way too and that, that it's not going to kill off the other type of computing. It's going to work in conjunction with. Yeah. By the way, I saw a funny remark somewhere on the on the Internet. If if Apple, you know, is coming out now and saying vision is so important that it just kind of consumes everything with this new with their latest gadget, uh, I'm I'm waiting for their sensual computer because I'll bet it'll feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you know, I, sometimes you get more entertainment out of reading people's comments because yeah people are always thinking about some uh, you know off the wall thing yeah that appeals to them you know <laughs> yeah well and it's just it's it's you know or just to be funny. you know comedic irony there yeah you know just having play with words right right yeah so I'm not a sensual computer 
Yeah. Yeah. So the um, uh, article you had talked about as we were getting ready to go on was this um, something that talks a little bit more in detail about the Vision OS virtual keyboard and how that works. You know, and again, you know, you can always transcribe, right? But we've all had issues with how well things are transcribed when you just tell it to type something. Um, You know, but Apple's supported that for years as a means of supporting, uh, you know, assistive technologies for for, uh, people with disabilities. So so I think that's probably pretty solid. But the idea that you can tap something out, you know, makes sense, you know. But typing out in the air seems like a weird thing to do, right? You know, if you've got this virtual keyboard floating and you just hold your hands up there. But as I pointed out, you know, I think, too, we all thought it was a weird thing to do to have a flat piece of glass with no actual keys on it and start typing on that. And we said, oh, that's never going to work. And look at it today, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if since it has – it's it's, uh, not just virtual reality – it's artificial reality. I guess that was that what the A stands for. Anyway, you can, your hands as soon as your yeah A as soon as your hands show up in the scene, it sees your hands out there, and mm-hmm. you've got the keyboard up. It knows that you want to work in relative to that keyboard. Yeah, and and so then there are other things that in the article that sort of questions. Well, will you have uh, click feedback or something? I think audio feedback would. Yeah. Might help that a lot, yeah. you know? While your hands are holding up in front of you and nobody but you can see the virtual keyboard, you're in, in your ear. Right. Yeah, you, <laughs> want, you, you want to know when you touch the key <laughs> somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, sh- they show it lighted up here, which is, you know, a good yeah. one too because you're looking at the keyboard yeah. when you're doing it. And I so, suspect at some point there's going to be people who will be able to type on that as fast as they can on a regular keyboard. You know, I mean, it absolutely. seems very weird and foreign to us, but there will be people who will be able to just, you know, oh, yeah, you know. Well, it's it's it, it's like anything else. Until you've tried it, you really can't comment about it at all because you don't you haven't had the experience. Right. It's not part of your, your right. background. Well, and, and I think they're very correct in that the success or failure of something like that it hinges on lots of lots of very little things little decisions they make in the you know in in the design of how that works and how far you have to push a finger and how you know the mm-hmm. the you know choices th- those little choices will make it very successful or very compl- complex for you right you know and apple's really good at those little details you know yep but anyway, it's it's a fascinating thing, but it's an admission mm-hmm. that any computer device today, if you're interacting with somebody else, is going to probably require that you provide some text at some point. And then it's a choice of do you do it physically or pseudo-physically? I don't know what you call this, but uh, you do, or you could just use audio, and you know that's prone to error too. Uh-huh. So. You know, it it probably comes down to this as being the more accurate way where you can verify what you've got before you send it and all that. Uh, I I would say it might be kind of cool, given that white uh, space bar on there, to sort of show the sequence of letters that you have in that white space (laughs) as you... After you type them, you can then see them in context. Well, it's, it's, you're seeing them above. See the word hello at the top? Oh, is I, uh, yeah, I gotta click that so I can see it. Yeah. Uh, 
There, so that you see what you're typing right above where you're typing, typically, just like you would oh. on any computer, right? And then the row right above the, the letter keys is the suggested word. So if you start typing and the word you want pops up, you can just tap that. Yeah. And it'll complete the word for you. So it works very much like the keyboard on the iPhone right now. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, I yeah. see. When I double-click this, it brings up an app, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what it does. Back, I've, I've been double-clicking it. It's bringing up the app, I bet, over here in Safari. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it launches the page. It's a web page, so it launches the page. Yeah, but for some reason, I was doing something that I didn't see the page except just momentarily it flashed, and then I, I was caught, it was coming back to the same place I was. Yeah, so okay. I, it was fooling the eye. All right. Well, I don't know what you're doing, but if you, you know, double clicking yeah. on a link is going to open the page. Double clicking on a picture just enlarges the picture. I, I realize that, but it was yeah. just since before we started this show, uh, I was trying to look at a picture and enlarge it. <laughs> now I, that was in my mind that, oh, I got, all I got to do is double click it and I can see yeah. the detail. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Sorry, I kind of messed up the, the talk. Yeah, no, we're words. fine. We're fine. Anyway. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think the idea of a virtual keyboard in there, I think it's something they had to do. So it was just a matter of, yeah. you know, how were they going to implement it? And it appears like a lot of the other stuff that they really thought a lot of this through. And it's going to be, uh, you know, it, there may be adjustments as they go forward. But I think they probably have figured out a way to make it as usable as possible. Yeah, and, uh, when I when I first saw this picture, I, it shows the guy as sort of using his uh, index finger, which is what you do if you do a hunt and peck. You know, you just right things, and that would be one way that might be easier to capture visually. Uh, but it'd be better if it allowed you to get your whole hand on the keyboard. Yeah, like yeah. What we used to call touch class. typing, but but this is there's nothing to touch, so it's not really touch typing, <laughs> <Yeah>. is it? <laughs> That's it's, right. <laughs> uh, whole hand typing, right? Um, uh, signal typing. Yeah. You know, or quite frankly, you should be able to grip it and type with your thumbs and use it like a uh, keyboard on your iPhone too, right? You should be able to yeah. kind of put your hand in like a in a gripping motion and just move your thumb around and tap on stuff. Yeah, a whole new way of typing. Yeah, that's... that's I uh, mean, I've watched people typing with their thumbs, sending texts and emails and... They can be blazingly fast. Yep. Yep. You know? Well, it, it could evolve into several different types of controllers, and people choose the one they like. Yeah, too, and that know? makes sense. I mean, it's virtual, so, yeah, why wouldn't it, right? Yeah. And, in fact, theoretically, somebody should be able to write an app to pop up a keyboard, and, and you can make, you know, yeah. a developer could make different input tools. Yeah, so things things will evolve as needed. Yeah. Or as people set up or come up and say, hey, I've got a better idea, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about this, and I think this is how it should work. So yep. it'll be interesting, too, to see what it's like for somebody to, like, once they're available, to go outside on a walk and see how well it handles the world that way, you know? Yeah. Everything yeah. everything that they showed was somebody, sit, you know, in a, in a room. Studio, yeah, yeah, or a room. Yeah, you know. Emulated the the people who who got demos. They said it was sort of like a a uh, mock living room that they were sitting in, and yep. uh, 
So it would be very interesting to see what it would be like for people outside of that space. Um, you know, whether or not it actually will function as something you can walk around in. Um, yeah. Of course, then the, that begs the question: Do you really want to walk around in something that looks that dorky? Do, um, do you know? You know, one of the things that fascinated me about this whole announcement is that I had read lots of reviews of that were all just trying to describe what an Apple Vision Pro is, which means that in their mind, they've got to translate this somehow into words. And it's it kind of reminded me of people trying to interpret the Bible, but having back, different backgrounds, and therefore you come, they all come out, you know, different. Yeah, you text, always see you know? things colored through the lens of your own experience, right? Absolutely. And then I came up on this one by David Pogue, who I'd heard of, yeah, he's, but hadn't he's... really realized who he is. Mm -hmm. And and it was so clear. The man knows how to understand something and put it into words. And it was so vastly better than every re review I had read, just because he could express it, because of, that uh -huh. was his kind of professional skill you know yeah it's pretty amazing to me i've never experienced that before where i could understand where one guy was really better yeah. at putting putting text down on the page than another one but boy this was pretty dramatic to me yeah. anyway yeah you know he's so, he's a regular correspondent on uh cbs's sunday morning show yeah i, I i've seen him around i, I just yeah. don't couldn't place him but. yeah Sunday morning. Yeah, the, yeah, the show that's on before the, oh, yeah. the news has, shows with Jane Polly. Right, he has yeah. the segments there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he's a well-known um, uh, tech writer. He's been around a long time. Yeah, but so. but he he, he I, I really give it to give mm -hmm. him five stars on this one because I thought it was uh, very well done, and so yeah. did, it wasn't just me. After I read the article, I said, "Wow." What a difference. And then I started reading the comments by other people. There were a lot of them that said, what a great description. Yeah. And so, uh, and for something brand new, that's what you need. You know, there's all kinds of things that you got to say in order to give the right, uh, the person that's reading it, a correct understanding of what, what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that is a skill. It's you know uh, the the ability to to explain something in clear language, um, you know, so that other people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've heard that said before, but I had never had experienced it personally as in quite such a dramatic way as this. Because I, I said, "Wow, yeah. I don't care to read anybody else's description of this now. I know what what, what it's all about." <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about the article that he wrote for Mac Daily News? That um, uh, uh, well, it was called "My First Impression in Mac Vision Pro Heavy Heavy Man." Oh, okay. That's the yeah, because he. I don't. The, the, this article's titled "David Pogue Apple Vision Pro is One Freaking Mind Blowing Piece of Tech." <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah, he may have written multiple articles. I don't I'm know. I'm sure he has, yeah. Uh, this looks like it was in something called Medium on, online. Yeah. Me. Yeah, this is this is a an excerpt from that same thing, too. So, uh, Medium.com, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway, uh, 
if you if you really want to understand the Apple Vision Pro, I I recommend uh, looking at for something by David Pogue, P O G U E. Yeah, medium.com. He's he's got the my first impression in Apple Vision Pro Heavy Man is an article. Yep. About a 15 minute read, 15 16 minutes, so so yep. it's a fairly long article that goes into pretty good detail about his experience. He is one of the people who got to go to the half-hour uh, demo, you know, with it on their head at Apple. So, um, so it's you know, it's a first-person description of of yeah. what what the heck he he experienced. Well, he'll be invited back to to cover a new product. So yeah. Should... Well, I mean, he's a former New York Times writer as well. He's he's prominent enough that Apple's yeah gonna absolutely. Um, yep. You know, spend time. I mean, it's fine to sure let he... the fine to let the techies uh, review it, but it's it's really good to have somebody that uh, publishes the text versions of these things. Uh, you get the right guy. And yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a variety of people out there. He's obviously not the only you know tech oh, yeah. author that 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 does a good job of explaining the experience. Um, but it's nice to have somebody who who's talented at that as well as just the the YouTubers. You know. Yep. Um, but you know, you can also go onto YouTube and listen to some of the YouTubers who got to see it. They do a pretty good job of explaining what it is that they see and 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 how it worked. The thing that was mind blowing to me was the the explanation that a lot of what we were seeing uh, as as you know what it was like to have the headset on the vision the images that we were seeing were mm-hmm. actual images from the headset that those were not um, you know those were not mock ups. That that's actually just the screenshot from the headset, and then what they did is they if if they wanted to make it look like the person was sitting there seeing this, they would take a picture of a person wearing the headset and superimpose that over that. But that the actual screenshots that you see of like icons floating in space and and the screen and stuff, those are actual pictures from the headset. And Apple sure. Apple uh, reiterated that several times. They said, yeah. "Yeah, that it's it's good enough that we just used pictures. We just used screenshots. We didn't have to, you know, go mock that up in the art department." Or, or they could have just in their software, the the OS for that thing had a, a, a display output. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if they have it in their other products, why not here? Well, I'm sure they do, and that's what they were doing. They were just doing a screen capture from the thing. Uh, from the device, probably yeah. just you know one eye or the other, because you can't. We don't get the scariest stereoscopic vision, but uh, right. but that's what it was. It was just a a screenshot. So they're getting video output from the Vision Pro. Now that may be something that is exclusive to them and not available to the rest of us, because you know for a while when they were demoing features on iPhones and iPads, we were seeing the screen you know enlarged in the in the in the auditorium when they were doing it they were taking video right off of the iPad that was in the speaker's hands but that wasn't available to you and me it was just something that Apple did for their presentations yeah. Yeah. Um, but i think enough people have since come back and said no i want to be able to do that too that would be valuable to me that they've made it available so they probably will yeah. with this as well well you know that- Another another uh, tidbit that's come out that I think is extremely interesting is that Apple, I think, for a long time has maybe, maybe been more than a little jealous of Apple's ability to maintain most of the gamers in the uh, computing Okay, stop. Uh, you said Apple twice. You said Apple is Whoops, jealous of me. Apple's ability, and I didn't... 
What did you mean? Apple is jealous of Microsoft Windows' ah, ability right. to retain all the major gaming uh, software uh, that's been out there for quite a number of years. But since they have machines that so outperform the Apple machines, they've built this Windows emulator, but even more specifically... Outperform Windows machines. You said Apple again. So Apple has machines that oh. outperform the Windows machines. Windows machines. But I will say before you go too far into this, yeah. that they outperform Windows machines on laptops and in CPU cycles per, per watt. They do not outperform uh, Windows machines that are designed for gaming that have high-end graphics cards in them. Uh, but they can compete. Eh, Let's put it that way. They're about half the speed of the, the, the middle-of-the-line I, I graphics cards. I don't think so from the comments by the people that have been building Windows games because they have, with this DX12 interface, that seems to be the key to it. They are emulating an Apple interface that's extremely important to gamers that was only on Windows before, and that allows them to, first of all, make the transition of their software very easy. That's the real goal, is to have them build to uh, yeah. stuff that will run on Apple well, machines and put a dent in their competition. As I have understood it, what they've done is they've created a translator that translates the calls from the uh, DX11 and DX12. That's not um, what emulator is. Emulator I know, it's is. not an emulator. It's a translator. And what it does is it translates the calls to the Apple calls real-time oh. on the fly. Oh, and that, that allows them to see how their app would run on the device. But you can't ship it with with the with the translator what you have to what they're then saying is now if you see how your at your app runs on an apple then you can then uh, rewrite it to use our tools you know to to write to metal as opposed to writing to the uh to the windows um uh direct x 12 or direct x 11 which is what are the you know the current standards on the windows side and that a lot of vendors i mean we'll see but that a lot of vendors looked at that and said but there's not enough people on the Apple side to care, and you know it, it will run. But you know, again, at the high end, if we want the highest uh, level graphics, Apple doesn't have a device that supports that. So, I, I didn't notice the question mark on this app Windows emulator question mark. Right, it's not an emulator, as I understand no. it. It's a translator, and what it's I doing is translating yeah. DirectX calls to Metal calls on the fly, real time. Okay. Okay. I'm, that's that's yeah. what I wanted you to do is to clarify my understanding of right. what this was saying. All right. Yeah. There was a real good conversation and description about what's going on there and how it maybe really isn't. You know, it's sort of a, a, a half step of, of Apple saying, okay, for the, for the high-end gaming community, we can make a, a Mac machine that will work for you. But to the developers for high-end uh, uh, games, this probably isn't really the answer. Uh, on the podcast, um, sorry, the accidental podcast, um, the most recent episode of that, they, they went into this pretty in detail about what this is and how it works. And essentially it's Apple saying, well, you know, use this translator to see how your app would run. And then if you like that, here's the tools to go ahead and create it using our tools, 
but our tools aren't really designed for doing gaming and we have a really, really small market and our hardware is not really as good. And so, you know, there's just not a whole lot of gotcha. okay. uh, motivation for developers to do that, at least at first glance. Now, you know, six months from now is, you know, if, if some developers have started, you know, transitioning some of their stuff to support Mac, we'll see. Um, but mm-hmm. but uh, I thought it was pretty interesting technology to just do on-the-fly translations so that you could then run with no changes a Windows gaming app that presumably uses a lot of, you know, a lot of horsepower to, um, you know, run on a Mac. Right. You know, of course, it also begs the question that if if the developer does that and says, yeah, that works fine, then what's their motivation to then go rewrite it using Apple's tools? They're going to go like, yeah, it works fine. Why, <laughs> why, why would we do anything? Yeah. <laughs> Just run it that way. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. I think the idea that, you know, within Apple, I, I don't know that there's anybody who, who you know, is at the level where they can actually make decisions about this stuff that is a, enthusiastic about a gamer. I don't know that there's there is an enthusiastic gamer. I don't know that there's a gamer, um, you know, a, a, a sense of, of high-end gaming desire within the Mac community or within the Apple management group you know there's not somebody to champion it yeah yeah well i i don't know how big the market is that's that's the important thing yeah yeah i mean it's a huge market but that market already has the hardware and software that they want you know are is there motivation for them to switch to an apple-based product and if so you know what they honestly if apple was serious about doing this they would go to one of the big game developers and then they would say okay we're going to sponsor the development of a major new release that'll be available on apple first and that would then get people to say hey i want to be on an apple device because that i want to play that game mm-hmm. you know and and they've certainly got the money to do that but they've never done it yeah you know they've done they've they've done it with their with their um uh you know, the gaming that they have through the Apple Arcade, but those are not what they call, you know, 1A type games that serious gamers want to play. Those are all, you know, I don't know, yeah. but, you know, more casual gaming type of, of games. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, that said, Apple's the number one seller of casual games, casual gaming on, on the iPhone, right? The iPad. Yep. yep. So, you know, they may be perfectly happy with that end of the market. Yep, yep. I uh, I also posted another thing that says Apple plans to scan Uncanny Valley with new spatial persona in FaceTime for Vision Pro. Right. Now, Uncanny Valley, I don't understand. That's but... a term that means that something is being artificially generated that looks close enough to human beings that it'll pass for a human being, but that it's it's not quite right. And so you look at it and it just looks weird. Something's not, you know, it doesn't look human. It looks plasticky. It doesn't look the the, the uncanny valley is the the uh, like it's it's almost perfect, but not quite. And it looks weird and it throws people off. You know, because it looks well, weird. Well, that's that may be a feature of what they're doing because so. this they're venturing into a very sensitive arena. Personally, people worry that somebody is going to be 
uh, playing them voiceover because we know voice translations can be made very good. Yep. Uh, and put that with the with the image that right. is good enough, and somebody could get you in a whole lot of trouble. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know? And, and and the thing is, is that you know if the technologies is is if not out there, it's fast approaching that the, that they will be able to, uh, you know, somebody will be able to sit in front of a camera and I mean right now we can do it with you know on our phones and you know your face can be the cartoon unicorn or the you know whatever the the, the poop right. emoji or something um, and so they can scan and see your facial um, uh, reactions you know your smiles and your your eye eyes opening wider and things like that and yeah. if they can instead of doing it over a cartoon poop emoji do it over something that looks just like you then anybody can play anybody else and the technology yeah. is real close to being there. Um, and that's well, going to be very dangerous, like you said. Yeah, it, it, it could be like the, uh, the uh, banning of Bud Light almost, you know, if, the, if it's got the wrong kind of publicity. So, well, the thing is, is once that cat's out of the bag, then we just have to understand that, again, much like, we, you know, there, there's been conversation about you can't trust what you hear in the news anymore. Now you're going to yeah. have to be sort of, I can't trust what I see with my own eyes, you know, unless I see yeah. you live and in person. I can't assume that's really you at the other end, you know, when I'm talking to you, even if we're doing yeah. a uh, a Zoom meeting, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I mean. I mean just with the voice uh, emulation thing, it, it's good enough now that you don't want to just trust any voice you hear on the line thinking yeah. that that's, that's somebody that you know well and, mm -hmm. and because they're going to try to get in key information out of you and because you think you're talking to a friend or something, you might give them some information sure. you never give to a stranger. Sure. You know? so, well, I, I think last time we talked, I talked about the um, the uh, newspaper guy who, who shared his an experience where you know his wife was in San Francisco and he lived up north of there and you know she had posted online that she was in the bay area and you know pictures of her being at fisherman's wharf and stuff and he got a phone call from somebody and he heard a woman screaming hysterically and then this voice comes on and says we have your wife and mm -hmm. and tried to extort money from him and you know they didn't even have her he was able to then get a hold of her uh, separately, but they, you know, yeah. they were just taking advantage of the fact that, you know, and it probably wasn't yeah. even her screaming, but can you imagine how much worse that would have been if they had, you know, faked her voice using an AI? Oh yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 how, how terrifying that must've been for him. And he's lucky that he, you know, that he didn't get scammed, but I imagine the whole thing was emotionally traumatic either way. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I just noticed uh, another article that you published that I didn't. I guess I hadn't looked at. Uh, Apple Vision Pro Max snorkel tube sold separately. That was a joke. Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a pair of like uh, diving goggles, diving mask, oh. you know. And uh, so you know how Apple is. They they you know the the wheels for the 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 Max the Mac Pro were an extra thousand dollars or whatever eight hundred dollars. So, uh, yeah, my daughter sent me that. They showed a picture of a woman wearing the, the Vision Pro goggles for thirty four ninety nine, and then snorkel <laughs> sold separately. And it was just a plastic snorkel tube for eight ninety nine. 
and not uh, $899 because, you know, it's Apple. <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. I, yeah. I just noticed that I didn't, I hadn't been looking yeah. at this page in a while. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. I thought that was pretty funny, so I shared it. What do you think of the looks of the thing? You know, for, um, I mean, in a perfect world, they would have been a pair of glasses, but for what they are, I think that they look fine. Um, you know, how thin and close to your face they actually are and how heavy they are will have a lot to do with, you know, it, and you can't really tell that till you see them live, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've seen them on people's faces and I've seen pictures of them sitting, you know, but, you know, until you actually see it live and see how it looks, it's kind of hard to get a read on that. You know, everybody said they look pretty slick, but that they were heavier on their face than they thought. And that, you know, if Apple had been willing to use something other than aluminum for their, you know, their, their structure, they probably uh -huh. could have saved some weight. But, you know, again, Apple. Yep. Well, it just drives the price up. If, you know, that's why they use that instead of titanium. You know, I don't know. You'd have to charge a lot more for a anything with titanium than aluminum, obviously. Yeah. And uh, the, 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 the change in experience probably isn't that significant, so. Right, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, they've, you know, they offload the battery by putting that at the end of a cable in your pocket, but the, the, the they've still gotta have, you know, a couple processors in there, the, the you know, M, yep. was it an M2 processor and uh, an R1 processor, Two right. screens, um, you know, uh, for you to look at. Two screens for the front to fake your eyes, you know. Yeah, I, just, don't, I, I don't know what the uh, budget for the weight is for every component of the face mask. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a complex device. Yeah, and yeah. And, uh, and you don't want I'm, something that's going to be flexy and creaky. You know, I get it. Right. It wouldn't uh, be. I, I've thought about just the regular kind of glasses. They have some disadvantages in the sense that if you want to really have a controlled environment, you need to have it dark so you don't have all these distractions around it. And so there's some disadvantages to going with something that's not sort of an enclosed space. Uh, yeah. You know? I don't know. You remember the um, when I was lifeguarding years ago in high school, I had a pair of uh, – Varney uh, sunglasses that were basically mountaineering glasses that had like these mm -hmm. little leather things that went from the glasses back to the sides of my eyes to block to block all the light coming in from around the sides. You know, if you're sitting out in the sun all day, right. that that helped yeah. a lot. And I can see them doing something like that with a pair of glasses, so that you know. But again, you know, it's got to get a lot. It's got to get smaller. It's got to get lighter. It's got to get. You know, there's a long way to go between here and there. Yep. So. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to think about where, how this is going to evolve. Yeah. But, uh, but the yeah, fact and that, if this is the pro, is there going to be a more affordable non-pro version? And if so, what does the pro have that the non-pro version doesn't, right? Right. I mean, you're not going to give up quality of the, of the, of the screens inside. That's, that's, well, that's a – you can't – what, what I was going to say is that maybe the non-pro version isn't really a, uh, a spatial computer at all. It's really just limited to the audio-visual experience so that you can hook it to any of your other Apple devices and have this wonderful 360 experience. Uh-huh. It's, so it's the portable can, screen, can, basically. Right. And that alone, if you can get the price of that down, 
and take the weight off really, you know, by getting rid of everything else that's causing the problem. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I think you probably could, you know, if yeah. you just focused on the display. Well, uh, like those, those lenticular screens that they're talking about that are on the front side. So people can see your eyes. Mm -hmm. That seems like an awful lot of technology to basically yeah. do something. People are used to seeing people with dark glasses and you can't see their eyes on. I don't know why they felt like they had to go through all that effort to put those there. And I got to imagine that they're going to look a little wonky anyway. Talk about an uncanny valley. Yeah. Um, so to me, that was like money wasted. And I can yeah. see that not being in a, you know, a cheaper version. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you. I think that I, I would can that right away and, you know, uh, and uh, then functionally, you don't need to do all the things of a computer to want this kind of a display. The display alone is a fantastic improvement in technology. Yeah. When, when you can see 360 and, and all the space around you, along with the sound to make that all seem very real. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful technology all by itself. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I had to drive it off of my phone. Yeah. You know, in other words, like if I have, I could run the, the, uh, you know, the Disney or the HBO or the Apple TV app on my phone and then watch it on the screen in the, you know, just a screen. Yeah. That would be a much less complex device that wasn't necessarily a computing device that would work. And, and would would other, give me most of what I want for, you know, half the and, price. And, and the other thing is, while I'm sitting down, I don't mind having a brick that will allow this thing to work for 12 hours, you know? Yeah. Just just have the cord coming over the headset. Right. I, I don't have to well, worry they, about Well, they did talk about that. They said that, you know, the battery pack will give you two hours, but if you plug it in, that it'll go, you know, it can go yeah. as long as you want. And so if you're sitting in one spot, presumably there will be a That's means to yeah. plug it into a, a power brick and, and not use the battery. Yep. So, although they did point out too, because I guess one of, somebody asked them, and, and it was reported that if you switch from the battery to plugging in, then you have to reboot the device. It doesn't like have any means within it to have like a capacitor to hold a little bit of energy so that you then can swap oh. swap oh. power sources, which I think is a mistake. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, if you've got, um, you know, a, maybe you're on an airplane and your flight is four hours. You know, you might have an extra battery with you. You have to, you know, swap batteries. You have to shut down and restart. That doesn't sound good at all. No. I, I would say there needs to be a transition uh, circuitry or something that takes care of the problem. I agree. I think that that seems like a no-brainer to do. I would have spent more time and money developing that than those lenticular screens for somebody to see my eyes. But yeah. you know, again, they you know they're making decisions based on their their experience and their belief about what this product needs to be, and that may change over time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, and the fact is, there's still the other thing, and that is, is that remember Google got tor torched for having cameras shooting outward from them, in front of them, and right. that's what this has lots of. So, right. Uh, there, there may be people, people throwing rocks at you just because you got the damn thing on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So, like a, like you said, a, a screen version may not have that. Right. Yeah. It's like. Right. I don't need to have a a augmented reality experience in front of me. I just want to be able to have a quality portable giant screen. 
Yeah, and I, I want to be sure that people know that there's no cameras aimed at them, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Because this it's those kind of you know, just human uh, tendencies that are concerns that can make make or break a device like this. You right. Know? Yeah. So I, I don't think I would feel comfortable with somebody sitting around and, and maybe even taking videos of me recording what's going on. Uh, yeah, while they're and you don't know. Looking at, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is like it's it's almost like the 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 weird reaction to like I don't want a um, you know a smart speaker sitting in my house because it's listening to me. Meanwhile, you've got your watch, your iPhone, and your iPad in your lap, and they've all got speakers and they're all listening to you. Yeah, we've you all know? succumbed to that, already. right? I mean, we're already literally in you know in your you know in your living room on an average day. You've got a camera on your iPad, a camera on your phone, a camera on mom's iPad, a camera no, just, on her phone. No, just say, no, just you say know. microphone. Well, I'm just saying cameras. You've got cameras all over your house that you carry around with you all the time, and you know you're, you're trusting that that the manufacturer is not allowing other people to just turn those cameras on and record, right? But well, you've got them with you. I mean, how many people take their camera with them to their their phone with them to the bathroom? You're taking cameras with you in the bathroom where you're taking your 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 pants off. You know, yep. you're just trusting yep. that that the manufacturer is not letting is either not going to do it themselves or not let somebody else turn the camera on without telling you. You know, that's right. And these, that these we don't. Be, but these we could no, be controlled remotely. Yeah, right? nobody's wigging out about that. So why would they wig out about you know the the Google thing or the the Vision Pro thing? It's just it's just a psychological thing, you know. And yep. and like you said, it it, the same thing applies to the microphones. You know, I, I you know you you'd said you'd tried to set your your smart speakers um, out in the living room, and and mom had an issue with that because it was listening to her. And I said, but yep. the exact same microphones are on your watch, your phone, and your iPad, and those are all in the room with you. And you don't care if they're there, so why do you care if that speaker's there? You know? Because they don't look look like a... They don't look... I don't know. Yeah, they don't... <laughs> because I'm used to them being there, you know? And that's all it really boils down to. It's just because yeah. I'm used to them being there. But, I mean, it's... Yeah, you know, I think we've lost that battle of we don't want cameras and microphones all over the place. There, There are already cameras and microphones all over the place. Yep. You know, everywhere you go, there are cameras and microphones. Well, you know what? It, it, if, if Apple was serious about protecting privacy, what they would do is at least have a red thing flashing out uh, a light on anytime the video uh, video mm -hmm. is being taken. Yeah. So that you have an opportunity to witness that this is on or not. Well, they do Obviously. on the on you know like on your iPhone, you'll get a green dot if the microphone is hot, and you'll get a red dot if the camera is hot. Um, you know that's done in software, but it's not done on the backside where the big cameras are. It's done on the screen, so you looking at the screen can tell if you're recording, uh, yeah. but the person on the other side of the camera where you're pointing it doesn't they know. They don't know. Yeah, they don't know. You know, yeah, there's not that, a little, you know, that's, I mean, they, that, that was history. That's the way, you know, standalone cameras have worked for years, right? Is video cameras is yep. there, there's a red light comes on when, when you're recording. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now well, we but, should probably have a, have a law that says that that's a requirement. Any video camera, you know, if yeah. it's recording has to have a red light on. On, on the, on the side where the, 
somebody that's who's being, being recorded can see being it. Recorded can see right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That'll that'll really piss the tech people off. Yeah. Except well, they'll say, "Well, I can sell all this stuff over now. I have to, you know." Yeah. Exactly. Now I can sell it again. No, the, you got um, to take it back and repair it. Right. Because <laughs> you don't have a right to repair on your own, according to them. Yeah. The. Um, you know, the, the, I can see where, you know, maybe in a security camera, you would say, okay, well, as a security camera, I don't want the light to come on because that then lets the person who's, you know, breaking into my house know, oh, I got to go break that camera. <laughs> you know, yep. There's a red light. Go crash, hit that with a bat. Uh, uh, you know. Send, so. send your red light, light seeking missile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, anyway, there's. A lot of uh, mm -hmm. new aspects that come up every time you have a, a breakthrough in technology. Yeah, uh, and and we've all have to be a part of of how we let that proceed. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. There's um, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we've even sufficiently got laws in place to deal with the existing technology, much less the you know technology well, we, that's coming well, down the road well we don't because the tech companies have already put in place all of their blockers for the uh, people who can make these decisions uh to be bribed and uh, and mm -hmm. persuaded in various ways you know mm -hmm. so the persuasion system is there uh to get what they want it's called yeah. lobbying uh, in, in kind words I, yep. i'm I'm more blatant than that if I think negatively about the whole thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Uh, let's see. Have we, have we covered everything? I'm kind of searching through here to see what is left. Uh, can Quest compete? Well, no, no is the answer. They yeah. know it. <laughs> well, you know it. I uh, know it. Well, they also know that at the present time, with the cost of this thing, they'll sell plenty of them at their. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, there's. It was the number one gaming platform sold at at you know over the holidays. So, um, because it was one of the more. few that wasn't constrained. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, there's not going to be people lining up to buy a thirty-five hundred dollar headset from Apple. You know, those aren't the same people lighting up to buy the, you know, $350 headset from, from you know, Meta. So yeah. it's it's a different uh, it's a different device for a different audience and for a different purpose. Um, but can it compete? Well, in sales, probably yes. In what it does, no, not as it currently exists. That's you right. know, and if yeah. they upgrade it to be able to compete, it'll cost as much as, as the Apple device. Sure. You know. That's the um, the the thing that we've said about laptops for years, right? People go, well, Apple laptops are so expensive. And I said, yeah, but if you build a PC to match the specs of the Apple, it costs just as much. It's just Apple doesn't build a device that they know is underpowered and with a crappy screen. And, you know, <laughs> they just choose not to. So, yeah. you know, if you want the underpowered device with the crappy screen and, you know, that's made all yeah. out of plastic, then go ahead. If we want a Rolls Royce, by God, you got to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
Well, uh, trying to see if there's anything else that's scrolling back through here that we creepy gotta, new, gotta have. It says creepy new voice cloning coming to iPhone. I don't remember talking about that one. Or I don't even what either. It was about. Yeah. Voice cloning. Well, okay. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I'll oh, to... it's talking about what we talked about before, where you can train an AI to sound like you. Yeah. You know, and most people probably don't have to worry about that too much. The people who have to worry about it are people like you and me who put our recordings of our voice out there for the world to, to hear, right? Right. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. You know, we can become targets just because, you know, it wouldn't be that hard to train an AI to sound like you or I and then use that to then call one of our family members and say, Hey, I'm stuck. I'm stranded. I need some help. Send me some money. You know? Yeah. Of course, our family members, our our family members, I would hope, would go. Wait a minute. <laughs> why, <laughs> why are you calling me for money? <laughs> That's <know>? right. <laughs> yeah, one would hope, but uh, but that's a possibility. So. Yeah, you know that's one of those things that with the new technologies, you're gonna get, gonna have, we're gonna have to be aware of that. There's new ways to socially manipulate you, and you need to be aware of that. Unfortunately, yeah. I think that's one of the biggest dangers that we've been facing as a country for the last, uh, you know, at least five, maybe even ten years, is social manipulation via the technology you know and it's it's affected our our elections it's it's affecting our politics for sure it's affecting our understanding of what's going on around the world because it's affecting our you know our news feeds and where we get it and uh and and it's you know even it, it's it's infiltrated us to the point where it's not just the the online news but it's the the regular news because they are repeating what's online and so yep you know, it's you really got to question pretty much everything you hear anymore <laughs> and go, well, do. does that make sense to me? You know. And do you believe that somebody would say some of these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's it. Is this as these AIs get better and better at, at, you know, pretending to be somebody else, sounding like and looking like somebody, then you've got to say, well, is that something that person would really say? You know, because. Yeah. But some people will believe pretty much anything about certain people, too. Yeah. You I know. mean, you know, the the big names of, of, in the news, the Elon Musks and whatever, there's that people yeah. that disagree with them or whatever, or Tucker Carlson or... You know, the, or, the, the, the downside of all this is that there is a group of people that don't do themselves any favor because they say dumb stuff all the time. You know, yeah. they just, they, they basically, you know, vomit words in public. And so when you're doing that, um, it's, it's easy to believe that you said something that you maybe didn't say because you say stupid stuff all the time. I mean, and, and I'm not saying stupid in terms of it's just you're saying stuff yeah. all the time that is, you know, controversial just because you like the attention. You know, there's a lot of this is a, this is a time where if you're a person who's really, really wants attention, you can get yourself some attention pretty easily oh, just by saying yeah. stupid stuff in public. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's people who've made careers out of saying stupid stuff in public. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, let's see. 
What, uh, what about all the other things that were announced prior to this machine? Did we cover all of those things? I, um, I, I think we talked about it briefly, but we didn't go into a whole lot of detail. I think the 15-inch um, the MacBook Air is going to be a huge success. Oh, yeah. I, that, I, the reviews out. Enough people have had hands-on to that yeah. thing that, in fact, if you like big displays, uh, you know, except mm -hmm. it doesn't have some of the features, the Pro. The I, I read a review comparing the 14-inch uh, Pro that's out there now mm -hmm. with the 15-inch Air. And right. there's some things about the Pro that would make me want to do that, but just because I so love big big letters, this big displays, yeah. I would probably go with the air. Now they're about the same price. There's not much difference. Oh, know, there is a huge six. difference. The, 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 the 14 inch starts at 1999 and the, you can get the, um, the, the, the 15 inch for, for like 1199. Uh, depends what you had on it. I, well, yeah, you can add stuff on it to make them overlap for sure. But it's, it's like, you know, the 15-inch, yeah. the, the starting price of the 15-inch is like $800 less. In fact, I thought that was the amazing thing is the difference between the 13-inch and the 15-inch Air is $200. Yeah, you're right. You're you right. know? And, and in fact, um, well, as somebody pointed out, if you really do an apples-to-apples -apples comparison, it's only a $100 difference because the 13-inch Air, uh, the, the base version... It's a binned version of the chip, so it has only eight active CPUs instead of ten. If you get the fully functional uh, M2 chip in the in the 13 inch, it's a hundred dollars more, which means the difference between the apples to apples comparison with the 15 inch is only a hundred dollars difference. Hmm. Yeah, which I thought was pretty impressive, really. You know. Uh, yeah. If you want, you know, the, the downside is it's a bigger computer. So, you know, it's going to be a little harder to pack into backpacks and things like that to carry around. But Oh, that's that's right. That's that's uh, Most people do have to be on the run these days. Yeah. Uh, but if you need that bigger screen or just really like the big, a little bit more screen real estate, you know, I thought $100 premium is not much. Yeah, and it's very light, too. Yeah. Yeah. Really no, good. I thought it was a uh, – I thought that was a – Absolute well, long overdue winner for Apple. In um, fact, the, the difference between that and the Pro in terms of thickness is the Pro had a much bigger battery. Right. Or it was a lot thicker. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, and the Pro does come with the Pro and the Max chip as opposed to just the standard M2 chip. So, you yeah. know, it's got more CPUs, more GPUs, more everything. Um, you know, uh, I was a little surprised that they came out with upgrades. I guess maybe I shouldn't be, but the M2 versions uh, for the uh, Mac Studio, the M2 Max mm -hmm. and the M2 Ultra. So now you can get a mini with a M2 or an M2 Pro and a studio with an M2 Max or an M2 Ultra. So you can get all, all four levels of the chip and a little desktop computer. Um, mm -hmm. But I was kind of thinking they might just wait for the studio until the M3s came out. But um, well, I think the size reduction in the M3 is going to jump to performance immensely. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's a, that's going to make a heck of a difference. Right. Which is so, kind of why I thought they would maybe wait on that device. But but I mean, it makes sense that they now have at least the second generation chip. Is, I mean, they've only got one computer that they even sell the, the first generation chip in. Well, two. They've got two. 
The M1 is available in that in that old style MacBook Air. That's the 999 version of the MacBook Air, which has been on sale for 799. So you can get it, you know, yeah. really cheap. Um, you know, in the Mac, at least Mac, <laughs> Mac world cheap. Um, and then the other one is the iMac. They still sell the original the iMac that they announced with an M1, and they have not upgraded that. By the way, we've kind of lost track of of a certain type of hacker that in. Uh, Oh, let's say five years ago was a common thing, and that's the guy who can take the basic chip and stick it on his workbench, and he can overpower that thing. He can, you know, drive it to yeah, its max, overclock to it. a performance, overclock it, mm-hmm. and and you know nobody is doing that with these M, M chips at all. Right. Well, they never really did that in the Mac world much anyway. That's still a thing in the PC world, especially yeah. if you're into gaming, is overclocking your CPU. Yeah, I, I was just curious how much that might, you know, assuming it can be done at all, yeah. uh, that that might bring to uh, to one of the M chips. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I heard somebody ask that question about like, well, you know, in the Mac Pro, do you up the clock speed on the M2 Ultra chip in order to make it faster than the studio or is it exactly the same? And apparently it's exactly the same. So, but, but, you know, that begs that further question, right? It's like, okay, these are great chips in terms of, of, uh, CPU power per watt, mm-hmm. which is important when you're in a laptop, but when you put right. it into a desktop machine, you've got all kinds of cooling and stuff. Why not run it hotter and faster? Yeah. My, in fact, my thought was, why doesn't Apple do that? Right. That's the question I'm asking is why not run it hotter and faster, Apple? You know, why am I, why do I have the exact same CPU at the same CPU speed and power and computing capability in a desktop machine as a laptop machine? Yeah. Because they really are different environments. Yeah. It it either doesn't pay or it does some damage in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, Or, you know, what's the reason? I'd I'd like to know that if, if we assume they're not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the uh, benchmarks have shown that they're not. I mean, they're, they're, it's the same. Yeah. You know, that you're not getting any more out of the desktop version of an M2 than you are out of a laptop version of an M2. Yeah. You know. So why confine yourself to a desktop then? You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just it it begs that question. Why is it? Uh, why is it not faster? Why you know you've got all this 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 um, thermal infrastructure that you've built into these desktops. I mean, shoot, half of the uh, literally half of the studio case is this cooling system, as they've shown when they took them apart. Right? It's right. this big cooling system that sits on top of the CPU. So yeah. why aren't you running the CPU faster? <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, Make and that then, cooling system work. <laughs> right. Well, and then you stick it in that giant, um, in that giant uh, Mac Pro case, and you go, man, that thing. You should be able to. You should crank that up so you could cook eggs on it. You got all kinds of space for cooling in there. That's right. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I, I'm not quite sure why, and I've not seen Apple address that. Um, I, I don't, I've not read anywhere where somebody has asked somebody from Apple that directly. Um, it just seems like, you know, I, I'm sure Apple, you know, the canned response is going to be something like, you know, all of our machines are engineered to give the performance 
envelope that we've deemed best for that device, something like that, which is kind of a non-answer, right? Yeah. You know? Well, they, uh, you know, they're, they're doing something right. Cause their money just keeps rolling in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I'm still impressed with how great these M series chips are. You know, um, in terms oh, just, of just it was just a total breakout compared to the competition. Yeah, I mean, they hadn't even started to come close to it, as best I can tell. Now, I have I don't read the yeah. broad broad range of tech literature I used to, but yeah. Well, particularly on the laptop side of things, there, there there's no comparison because again, their processing power per watt is just you know, nobody's touching it on the, on the very high end. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, let's put it this way. There are configurations of the Intel based Mac pro that will still outperform the brand new, just introduced Mac pro with the M series chips in it. Yeah. And part of that is because of their decision to make everything on chip. So you can't put higher end graphic cards, you know, you can't put as much memory in it. Um, you know, the, the new, the new Mac pro is limited compared to the one that it replaced. Yeah. You know? And so, and again, it, it's, I understand those decisions for laptops, but for a desktop machine, especially if there's people who are saying memory is, or cost is not an issue. I don't care. You know, they, you could configure that, that Intel Mac pro, you know, up to like a $54,000 computer. Mm-hmm. And have terabytes of memory in it, and and five different graphics cards that were you know super high end graphics cards. If that's what you needed, you can't do that anymore, you know. Yeah. And so the question is, why well, replace why why replace the old one with with one that's less capable and less expandable? You know, yeah. Um, thermal things are something that engineers don't like at all. <laughs> They're just sure. flee from it. Yeah. You know? So it makes the world a lot simpler by not having to consider all that thermal crap. Uh, yeah, well, it's 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 a difficult problem to solve because it limits what you can do. Yep. You know, and so then you've got to make trade-offs. You know, it's always a, well, I can give you this if you give me that kind of thing, right? Yep. And, and I get that Apple, I think, was under some internal pressure to say, you know, to finally get everything switched over to their M uh, silicon. If mm-hmm. if I was reading the tea leaves here, I would guess that the device that Apple's now selling as the Mac Pro is not what they in- originally envisioned as a Mac Pro was going to be when they went to Apple Silicon. I don't think that's what they intended to ship, but I think they just said, well, crap, we got to get this out. We're already two years behind what we told everybody we would do. Let's just do it, ship it, and then we'll fix it later. Could be. I think when we see the M3s, we'll see a different take on what that device is supposed to be. You know? Yeah, that, 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 that power is getting down to where you can run the damn thing off a battery and keep it going for a day, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it should be a default, right? All of Apple's desktop machines should have a little UPS built in into them because there's... Yeah, yeah the question is how to magnify the power and and that they've taken the approach that just more CPUs running in parallel uh, mm-hmm. can, can solve that. Now, there's there's a lot of gotchas in in parallel CPU uh, arrangement that are very software dependent. 
You know, you yeah. got to figure out how to cut up that software and distribute it, and that that gives you some benefit. And I'll tell you, that's a non-complex issue. Yeah. Yeah. No, but they've already got a multitasking operating system that makes those decisions. So you can take each task and send it to different CPUs. You've got to keep, you know, there's a lot of issues about sequencing the response, the, the, the answers as they come back from these different CPUs, though, too. So yeah. like you said, there's a lot going on there, but they've got the guts to do that. You know, and it's 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 been long noted since the uh, uh, M series chips first started appearing that the high end and the low end have essentially the exact same single CPU speed, right? You know, it, it's gotten to such a point of numbers of CPUs and graphics uh, engines that I I just don't quite uh, know what the hell's going on there and how to how to get excited about it anymore, you know? I mean, yeah. it used to be, you know, if you had two or three CPUs running at the same time, man, you could see real gains. Yeah. But now I add another CPU, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know? It, well, and it just kind of load levels, you know. I have a um, uh, an app that I run on my, um, on my computer. Um, I'm blanking on the name of this app, dang it. Um, what's it called? Uh... Come on. iStat menus. I've got iStat menus running, and it shows you the load on each CPU. Mm -hmm. And you can just kind of see them going up and down, you know, mm -hmm. as it, you know. And, and if you run, if you happen to run an app that is is um, a single-threaded app that, that only uses one CPU, you'll see that one, you know, like spike up. Sure. Uh, uh, and it's interesting, too, because you can kind of see the difference between, like, on the M1, you know, you've got four um, uh, performance CPUs and four low-energy CPUs. And you can kind of see that they're both used differently. Huh. Like, they, they put the load in different places on them. Uh, yeah. I, uh, you, you need to understand how, how all this stuff plays together uh, mm -hmm. to really evaluate it, because... That's it's a it's a whole new dynamic uh, from when I used to work with these things mm -hmm. and and teach classes. I mean, I'm sure if I went back now, there'd be books written to cover all the stuff that we're talking about here. Yeah, uh, that uh, that would be very informative and, and, and interesting. But that's not where I am. I'm not I'm not ready to be a professor again. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and have no desire to be right that's right yeah couldn't pay me enough yeah uh, here's one that's you you have real plus a real view plus dual lens mirror dash cam oh it hooks onto the mirror i guess is what it does i don't remember seeing that oh i put i posted that i guess it's on my side of the screen. It was way back. Yeah, I see it in there. Yeah, huh. those are those are kind of popular. You know, people who've been in accidents on several occasions, they've shown yeah. that, you know, hey, this is what actually happened as opposed to, you know, stories yeah, I, by each person who's, who's, you know, trying to make themselves look better in the accident, right? Well, I got really excited about that until... Uh, at least the one articles that I was reading saying that none of the cameras were good enough to really capture the tag of the car in front or behind you. 
I said, well, geez, that's the important information that you want. Yeah, and and I don't know that that's true anymore, but you do have to be careful about making sure that you get, you know, a, a 1080p camera is not, not good enough. Well, that's right, and, and these cameras all came from two sources, it turned out. You know, they had a lot of brands, but they were all buying the same chip, you know, so from just a couple, couple sources that, that made the cameras. So anyway, uh, I, I do like the idea, and I'm, I'd like to have a camera uh, if it was really a good one, and I'd like for it to work with my phone. Uh, that would be the ideal way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, I can get excited about all kinds of electronics if I read about it long enough. <laughs> and and I guess I'm wealthy enough now that I, I, I could sneeze at $3,500 for a, a camera and get my wife all excited. <laughs> I, I mean computer, rather. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm not sure if I'd expend, you know, after, when they finally get out and people have them and stuff, whether they'll be still still very excited or not. Yeah, you know, I think, I think that... Um... I think they're, they're, we're going to spend the next, you know, six to nine months talking about them. I think that first batch will probably sell out right away and they'll be constrained. And then we'll start hearing more about like, okay, is this thing, you know, all that and, and uh, you know, a, a stick of butter too. Um, yep. Yep. But that's going to take some time. Well, and by then they just might announce, well, after they've sold the, the expensive ones, They'll uh, they'll probably it won't be long and they will announce some uh, lower cost products related to it. It might, might be that display I was talking about, you know. Yeah, yeah, you never it, know. If if they can make a product that would sell good, uh, that, that they're probably, you know, mm -hmm. happy to start another cash stream coming in. So. Did you happen to see on a totally another note, I just happened to pick up in my office here, I have a little Rubik's Cube sitting aside, that uh, kid who solved a Rubik's Cube in 3.1 seconds? I saw that, and I didn't believe it. It was stunning. <laughs> it was I'm, stunning. Well, it's something that's, that they've set up beforehand. He's not really solving it. He's got to take it from how I've mixed it up, and you've seen me moving these things around so that every time he gets it, it's a different setup. And then we'll take an average time because I can believe that maybe certain things can, you know, require a minimum number of turns. And he's probably understands that very well. But, uh, but if he takes a random Rubik's cube and I hand it to him and that's when the clock starts and somebody else hands him one, you know, uh, no, he's not going to do it in that time. So the, there is a uh, a like um, organization that that sets the rules and stuff for that, yeah. and the and the puzzles or the each each brick or or cube is randomized before, and they are set on the table without allowing them to see them, and then they. Um, uh, their hands are on a touch sensor. The, connecting to the, internet. Ah, the second their hands come off the sensor is when the clock starts, and then the clock stops the second they put their hands back on the sensor. So they, so he took his hands off the sensor, solved it, put his hands back on the sensor in 3.1 seconds. 
and yeah. and randomly solved and solved a randomly set up cube. And he and he did it one time, right? He did it one time. Well, I mean, he's probably done it billion. <laughs> he's probably done it billions of times in order to be able to do it that quickly. I mean, holy moly! But it's the WCA, the World Cube Association, is the one that is the organizing body. Oh uh, well, huh? Well, I wonder wonder what skill that uh, qualifies you for. So yeah, exactly. I don't know. So carnival booth, maybe. Yeah. Apparently, this <laughs> this uh, they had. A, I saw an interview with the the. I guess the guy's like in his early twenties, but his father was interviewed on the news here, and he's because he's from Southern California, and um and his uh he he's. It's something that he found an interest in doing. His son has taken up. He's his son is on the spectrum, um, and so this is just something that he he, you know, found that he liked to do, and so he just started teaching himself how to do it and how quickly he could do it. So, huh. well, I guess he did a good job. Yeah, sounds amazing. I, like I said, I I didn't have any basis for doubting it, but it just seemed like no, that's that's something's wrong. Yeah. Well, when you watch it, you're like. What? It's over? How? how? You know? <laughs> Holy moly. 1,001, 1,002, yeah. 1,003. Oh, his hand's back. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, is that the, um, I shouldn't say the funny thing is, but the, like the standard Rubik's Cube that you buy in the store, they're using competition cubes that have been designed to be able to spin and turn real easily. So they are much better. I actually bought one. So I have a competition cube the one that I've got here in my office. And it's like, you know, the other one, the plastic was kind of hard and you'd have to like turn it and get it lined up just right to... Oh, to, see, you're, you're so, revealing the secrets to how this can happen. So, so the people who are doing this for time have cubes that are designed to work better. Absolutely. Um, but holy moly, that still doesn't explain three seconds. So. Okay. Well, you'd probably have to move... All three of them at least once, probably multiple times. Uh, yeah. So that's that's what made it seem impossible to me. If you know, there's 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 got to be ways that uh, are easier to return than others. There's, there's there's paths that are fast through to certain things and slow to others. So that's why I think it's a statistical yeah. thing. First of all, so you've got to take an average of multiple roles. So you know? this is interesting. Um, so the competitor must start the solve within 15 seconds of the inspection. So the 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 cube is covered, so you don't get to see what it, how it's you know what it's how it's scrambled. Yeah. yeah. They uncover it. You have 15 seconds to look at it before you then start to solve it. So he, oh, all the, the I got you. I, I'm okay. reading the rules. So so it's sitting. You're not allowed to touch it. But for 15 seconds, you can look at it so you can see what state it's in so that when you pick it up, you know what to do. Sure. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a ma major advantage. Yeah. Well, that's just – I'm just reading through the – that is uh, rule uh, A4D1. <laughs> okay. I found their rules, and, and it's, it's a long, long list of rules. And there's rules for, um, for be, doing it in the fewest moves. There's rules for doing it with one hand. There's rules for doing it while blindfolded. <laughs> There's all Come kinds on, of blindfolded doesn't, yeah. doesn't make any sense. I don't, what, How do you do the, it blindfolded? But apparently, yeah. if you look at it and know what state it's in, and then you're blindfolded, and then you can do it. 
Because if you know what state it was in when you started, if you know how to do that, then you can, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Really well, yeah, interesting. It, okay. So, anyway, it sounds like fascinating entertainment, but doesn't last long. It's not, not a show that you want to charge admission for. <laughs> yeah. Show's yeah. over, folks. Yeah. Oh, it's I like, ready, set, go, by. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. All righty. Official well, events. Official events are the three by three cube, or the three by three by three, the two by two by two, the four by four by four, the five by five by five, the three by three by three one handed. Uh, then there's things called clock, mega minx, pyraminx, skube, and square ones. These are like different ways of solving the cube. Um, and I've seen people use the the you know like the standard cube is is three by three by three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen people do the four by four by four and the five by five by five. And apparently there's even six by and seven by cubes. It's like, holy moly. Hmm. By the way, I was looking at this picture I sent you, uh, uh, with, uh, Kingston trio with Jack Benny. Oh yeah. From, from 1965. And that's a, it's a black and white photo, but I can tell you the, uh, color of their striped shirts because they wore the, the, the shirts they wore to the concert that I was with at that very same year was these same striped shirts, uh-huh. and, and they're red and white. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so unless they, you know, had different versions changed. of the shirts. Yeah. So I. I would, uh-huh. uh, anyway, that it really takes me back because this is the original group. Right. You know, it didn't take very long, and one of the guys was replaced. You know. Yeah, and that and the trio then grew to four, even though they were called the Kingston Trio, but they right. really had four because there was a bass player. Now he's, I think he was probably off stage here. He wasn't considered part of the trio because he didn't sing. Right. You know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's it's fun to go go back to something that you've seen live yourself, you know. And, yeah. And see the picture. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like live music, just about any kind of music live. It's just it's fun to see somebody actually making music, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And Jensen, that's one of the best things to, about YouTube today is you can go back quite a ways with a lot of groups, you know, and sure. see some old stuff. Yeah. Like the Carpenters and stuff. There's some yeah. Good Carpenters. Well, uh, my, Jensen flew down, and um, uh, we went to the uh, Doobie Brothers concert. That, oh, that yeah. they were playing at one of the uh, casinos here uh, locally um, two weeks ago, and oh. that was a good concert. They sounded really good. the yeah. the The draw was it was their fiftieth anniversary, and over the course of the group, they had hits with three different lead singers, and all mm. three lead singers were supposed to be there. Unfortunately, Tom Scott injured his back, and he was not there. Um, mm. They did they did a couple of his songs with one of the other guys filling in for him. Um, but, uh, but to be honest, they, those sounded fine. And, uh, I, if, if one of them was going to be gone, he was the one I would have, I, I missed, I least missed. So, um, uh, although I, you know, it would have been nice to see all of the original guys, the original yeah. voices there, but it was really good concert, you know, and they just basically okay. did all their hits. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I'll bet. 
And it was a it was a fairly small theater too, which was nice. So it wasn't uh you know, it was a little bit bigger than the Fox Theater that we went to. Remember when you were out, we went to the Fox Theater over in Riverside? Yeah. For a concert. It was yep. similar to that, maybe just a little bit bigger. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it wasn't uh, wasn't like a big arena or anything. You know, it was nice to be able to see see a group where, you know, you weren't that far away from them physically, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like you're, you know, sitting far away on a hill looking down at a... Uh, yeah, did, did, did I tell you that when I went to see Peter, Paul, and Mary in Boston, that I was on the stage with them? I I was got there late, which turned out to be a benefit. They they put up some chairs around there, around them on the stage. Now I was back in the third row on the stage, so I was right. a little bit further back. But man, sitting on the stage compared to those other people that paid good mucks that are sitting way back up there in the in the auditorium, man, I had front row seats. Yeah, I couldn't believe my luck. Yeah, no, that's like wow. I I should be late to everything this this way. Yeah, right. I was I was totally shocked. Anyway, it was it was good. But that that's the only time that ever happened. I don't uh-huh. think you could ever dream of it happening again either. I'm surprised that they even did it. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem unusual. Yeah, now this when I saw the Kingston Trio that I just referred to, this was in an auditorium setting at, at Kansas State, and so uh, I was sort of midway in the back in the theater, uh, but still it was uh, a wonderful event and well remembered because I put the Kingston Trio in terms of folk music right up front like an Elvis sort of starting his own genre, because there was nothing like the Kingston Trio when they you know hit hit the the road on that tour. That was their very first Kingston Trio tour. And, mm-hmm. uh, and anyway, it, it was, uh, it started a whole uh, new, what, what do they call the, uh, the category of music? Yeah, the folk. <laughs> folk music. Right. Yeah. So there were some other people who had been billed as folk, but individuals uh, like uh, Seeger, Pete Seeger. Yeah, Pete Seeger was, well, he was sort of the, uh, uh, the godfather was, of that group of that new new folk revival that happened in the late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, there were a couple other individuals like mm-hmm. that, but there were there were no trios or anything, and and they didn't mm-hmm. have they didn't make the the big top ten in the pop music theater. Right. Either. Well, it was you the know. harmonies. That's right. That's that's what made this group. You sent me a picture here of the. I sent you some pictures of the. Yeah. Uh, of the uh, concert and then um, some some short videos uh, ah, as okay. well. So oh, I see. Oh, I see. There's multiple ones here. Yeah. Okay. Takes a while for everything to get through. Yeah, I'll I'll play those after we're off. Yeah. Off the off the air. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, if we don't have much more to say, I think why don't I just. Uh, Call it a day, huh? I think so. I think we have, we when we're talking about uh, music and concerts and stuff, then we've we've gone beyond the realm of tech things, and it's and now it's no longer generation <laughs> tech. It's it's uh, it's uh, you know family talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, before we started yeah. the show, we, we we were talking about a a picture from Hollywood people. Uh, that made up a, a a choir, which I never. That's heard of right, before. the Hollywood Boys Choir. Yeah, you can look that up and then yeah, 
1973, it was a, a one-off Hollywood Boys Choir sort of done as a joke for the Rowan and Martin Laugh-In uh, season opening yeah. show. And I thought, yeah, yeah, you sent the picture and said, how many of these guys do you know? And I think I knew <laughs> about uh, a little over half of them by name and a couple others. I recognized them from what they did but didn't know the names. Um, and, uh, anyway, once I got on, we named them all. Yeah. Yeah. Getting out my cue card. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say the last two, uh, it took me a while. Um, uh, took us a little while to get to, but, uh, it was, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And, and like I said, you can Google it and see the picture. And it sounds, it looked like they had a blast too back in that, uh, a lot of little fun things going back in time and recalling people and events. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to kind of look back. That's the joy of pictures. Just think if you have Apple vision pro, you'll be able to take stereo stereoscopic photos and videos of events that you'll then be able to go back and watch in 3d. You'll believe they're you're there live. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's real interesting. Honestly, that's one of the things I think I, uh, I'm real interested in seeing. Can you imagine, you know, if you were, you know, having kids today and, you know, you get videos of your babies and stuff and be able to go back and watch those when they were little and see them in 3d in video, you know, in high res, um, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, know, uh, I, I kind of feel that I was one of the lucky guys to be, I mean, I'm old enough now to recall when before they even had in the movie theaters widescreen i remember when that was a big thing just to make the screen wider and they kind of curved it a little bit but the original standard dimension was i think 16 by uh was uh what was it 12 or something like that three three. anyway it was just a standard square model just like pictures yeah, like the old televisions used to be, sort yeah. of, and then they went to the widescreen. To, well, the the when TV came out, the movies said, "Well, what can we do to make it more interesting and keep people in the theaters?" Right? Yep. Excuse me. So, yeah, every uh, little step of the way, there was some big new or Technicolor. My, the first movies I ever saw were all black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and and another thing is, uh, I went over to pick up one of my grandsons, uh, who's uh, twelve years old now. And on the way home, I was—I happened to have on the radio a, a DVD that, or CD rather, that I had cut, and it was the uh, Sons of the Pioneers radio show from 1940s. You know? uh-huh. And uh, so I was telling him that that—that's what this was. This was before all these other things that we're accustomed to today. And basically, the reason that I like the Sons of the Pioneers was because I grew up watching Western, uh, what they called Western movies. Today, I don't know if they refer to anything as really Western, but I'm talking about cowboy Western movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, which, they, they, they're not as popular as they once were, but they're still out there. But, but that was an every Saturday night uh, event. And, and they had, I mean, if you were a Hollywood star, uh, there were there, uh, certain... Uh, people that made it into the dramas, but the most popular movies, at least where I grew up, were westerns, and so mm-hmm. there were a whole bunch of people you don't even hear about today. Randolph Scott, 
Uh, yeah. The there was that era where yeah. Westerns were just big, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because every once in a while I'll feel like watching Westerns. And so I go hunting for, you know, some of those. And I guess the tail end of that was Clint Eastwood. Uh, yeah. Don't you think? I mean, sort of in the 20s, you know, or in the 20s, in the, yeah. in the, in the 70s, in the 70s and the 80s, Clint Eastwood's movies, I think, were sort of, but he was on TV too. That's uh, true. In a Western initially when he was younger. But, I mean, he was sort of the last movie star that made like a series of Westerns, you know? Yeah. But but anyway, what, what I started to say was uh, in order to be on the early Westerns, the important thing was they'd have a sort of a break in the movie where they'd sing a song. And so there were groups like the Sons of the Pioneers or Gene Autry by himself or Roy Rogers by themselves would sing a song here and there throughout the movie. And so that was a expected thing but the sons of the pioneers sort of established that by being in just about every roy rogers movie and some others by uh, various other stars tom mm -hmm. mix and you know ver well, names that probably wouldn't be recognized but anyway uh i though so i this was all sons of the pioneers they had their own radio show mm -hmm. and this is the original sons of the pioneers which i was telling my grandson is still in existence today and basically, they've evolved by replacing each singer one at a time. Yeah. As, uh, They're as now the grandsons way. of the pioneers. That's right. And, <laughs> and, and they, they were hired only because their voice was suitably uh, like the, the, people, the guy they the were guy replacing. They were replacing. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, they, so they would interview and, and uh, audition, I should say. Right. Uh, lots of different singers to see. If, it's like not only do you have vote. to sing well, but you have to sound like this guy. <laughs> exactly. You, this, this, that's the right voice for the group, you know. Yeah. But it was it was very successful. I've been back to see the Sons of the Pioneers in Missouri at that mm -hmm. town I can't think of now, uh, where they have all kinds of show people that, that retire there because they can continue to perform on stage, and, and uh, you know, uh, fans will gather in this town just because it's memories, you know. Yeah. Of previous uh, performances. So we've seen, been there several times and seen lots of people yeah. we've seen 20 years or before that, you know. Mm -hmm. Even uh, Perry Como we saw down there. Now, he was a big name in television at one point. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was down there. So. Yeah. So. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Well, a, it's nice to see that there's people, you know, that, that, that love that music that are keeping it alive, you know. Yep. And That's staying right. with it, because otherwise it's just recorded. And as I was saying, love live music. There's something about seeing it performed live in front of you that's different than watching even a YouTube video or or listening to a you know a, in your in your headphones or something. It's just it's nice to see it live. I do want to add one thing before we wrap it up, though, too. Um, you had mentioned that story by David Pogue was on Medium. If you go to medium.com, it's a very interesting um, uh news page. They have a link there that tells about their story and why uh, Medium exists. And it's just they've got some interesting things that aren't all like just stories about politics. If you get tired of news that talks about politics, but you want some interesting reading on things, and they tend to sponsor some somewhat in-depth stuff. And one thing I really like is under each story, they tell you roughly how long it takes to read that story for the average person. So like they've got a story on the other side of veterinary medicine, uh, by Courtney Deer. It's a 10-minute read. 
So, you know, you could, so you can say, okay, I want to set aside how much time. Okay. I've got 10 minutes. I'll, I'll read that one. You know, yeah. uh, you know, uh, there's an ER doctor who's already using chat GPT to help treat patients. Seven minute read. Yeah. I read about that guy already. Yeah. So, you know, all I'm saying is, is that medium.com is a nice place to go to find some, some interesting reading on just other stuff that's happening in the world, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And a lot of it has to do with some science and technology. There's a slant towards that, but not all of it. You know, there's an article, you know, in praise of a low key summer, you know, five minute read, mm. you know, what I've learned after holding thousands of, inter uh, 1000 interviews. So somebody who interviews people for jobs, nine minute read, interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. anyhow, check out medium.com. They're not a sponsor or anything like that, but uh, I think it's a, it's a interesting website. So. Okay, Todd. Have a wonderful time. Thanks for talking again. And we'll be back um, probably not next week or if we are next week, it won't be on Monday because uh, I've got some traveling to do. So we'll, uh, you know, keep y'all posted. Happy Yo, Juneteenth. It's it's actually week. our first official Juneteenth, isn't it? It is, yeah.